It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Whitney Lordson. I recently came across an article entitled, How Are Introverts Doing After a Year of a Pandemic? And this year of isolation, are introverts doing okay is the big question here. And I was very interested in that because I have identified as an introvert, although we do have an episode coming up with a guest named Celeste, a guest named Celeste, that rhymes. And Celeste actually said something that stuck with me ever since, which is that most people aren't introverts. And I was very curious about her opinion on this. But whether or not introverts and extroverts are a little bit more buzz terms than they are the realities of our personality. I still think it's interesting to reflect on these things. I think it's become kind of trendy to be an introvert, or maybe all the introverts finally feel comfortable identifying as that. I'm not quite sure. (laughs) But it's still fascinating to reflect on how the pandemic has affected different personality types. And one of the lines that really caught my attention in this is that with everyone on the same page of burnout, it feels liberating to not have to see and be seen. And I certainly have felt that way because I started to identify as an introvert when I recognized that it's often defined as how you get energy. Do you get energy from being with other people or do you get more energy from being by yourself? Is being with other people draining? And other people can also be defined in how many people, right? Because a lot of introverts tend to thrive in small groups on one-on-one conversations. They don't really like small talk. So going to large gatherings and doing that frequently can feel really draining. And so absolutely for me, I felt a bit relieved (laughs) during this entire year. And I'm a little nervous about things opening up again. And I'm hoping that it is very gradual because it's going to take me some time to feel comfortable and to be interested in socializing in many capacities. I have noticed actually, and another element of this article that's really fascinating to me is that I feel burnt out most of the time. And when I feel that way, I really don't want to socialize. It's hard for me to even respond to emails or text messages. It's hard for me to speak on the phone. Of course, it can be challenging to do Zoom meetings. All of that feels really draining. But I think burnout is a huge element of this too. And I'm pretty amazed that even after a year of barely socializing, I still don't really yearn for it. There are certain people that I miss seeing, and there are certain events that I miss attending. Jason, you and I have spoken about missing events like the Natural Products Expo. And I was actually thinking about how we might go to that event in Philadelphia this coming September. And I actually feel excited about it because events like that, I can really bypass my 
introverted fatigue (laughs) and rally for the time it takes to get through that event. I think that it'll be very interesting and different because there'll likely be a lot less people. So that should be easier for me. But I also found myself starting to experience some dread, I suppose, or some fear around that. Not just around health concerns, but just thinking about how it'll feel to socialize. And the burnout factor of this, I've been thinking about often as well, because I I just generally feel very tired a lot. And there's so many factors that lead us to feel tired. And I think this is actually such an important thing to evaluate within ourselves. It's almost as if when we get older, there's an assumption that you're going to be tired a lot. You know, like, oh, our bodies are aging, so we're tired. I imagine that that's true. I don't have as much energy as I used to. That might be true. Although I feel like there are a lot of misconceptions when it comes to age. So I try not, I try to take those things with a grain of salt. We know, obviously, you need to get a certain amount of sleep. And each person, it seems, requires different amounts of sleep based on their body, their health, their circumstances. Then we have quality of sleep, right? So what mattress are you sleeping on? And are the windows open? Can you see the light coming in? Does the light help you or does it hurt you? Is the temperature right? Like on and on these factors that impact how well we sleep. So it's not just about the amount of hours, like what time we went to bed and when we we got out of bed. It's like how many hours of quality sleep did you get during this time? We have factors like hydration, in terms of our energy. We have factors like, are you drinking caffeine? Are you exercising? Are you eating well? How's your digestion going? Like When you really go down the list of the things that can contribute to us having energy or feeling fatigue, that in itself can lead to burnout. It's incredibly overwhelming just to try to evaluate whether you are taking good enough care of yourself to have that energy. And then we've got all the mental sides of it. So this whole (laughs) discussion can feel exhausting. And I think it can actually contribute to us getting confused about whether we're introverted or extroverted. Because what if we're just burnt out and that's why we feel introverted, you know? Or what if we feel lonely and that's why we feel extroverted? So there's a lot of different things that we can explore within this article. And I want to begin with you, Jason, because you really perked up when I sent you this article as a suggestion to discuss on today's episode. And by the way, for anyone who wants to read this, we're not going to read it line by line. So you will find a link to this article, which is on refinery29.com. We'll put that in the show notes of this episode at wellevator.com, which is spelled W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. You can go to the podcast section. You will find the entire transcript of this episode. You'll find the YouTube video if you're not already watching it. And you will find anything that we mentioned, plus links and more episodes. So wellevator.com is your hub for this podcast. So tell me, Jason, when I sent you this article, what was the first thing that crossed your mind? And what was it that got you excited to discuss this today? Because you often identify as an extrovert. Well, I I think I got excited because I don't really know what to identify as anymore, to be honest with you. And... I got excited because I think I'm on a spectrum somewhere in the center. I really don't know. But to your point, Whitney, I think I've labeled myself and have been labeled by people since childhood as an extrovert. 
primarily because even as a kid, you know, I could go out on a stage and do theater or present or be in a group of people and be pretty fearless, not completely fearless, but, but pretty bold and fearless in terms of presenting in front of an audience. And I think because of my high energy when I am in groups of people and when I am presenting to a crowd, I do feed on that energy. It's sort of a reciprocal exchange of energy. And I do like that exchange of being in large groups. I feed on it. I get pumped up by it. And then I can give that energy back. It really is kind of a, a symbiotic exchange. But this last year of living in a global pandemic, I feel like I am more used to staying home and being by myself than I ever, ever, ever have, maybe even since childhood, because, you know, when my dad left the family and my mom was working, you know, three, four jobs at a time, I, sp I spent a lot of time on my own, right? So I don't know that I've spent this much time at home alone since childhood, really. And it's made me question where I'm at on this spectrum. So I think I got excited for this article because I wanted to dig in and see what aspects of it resonated with me. And there's a lot. And I just want to read a, a quick paragraph. It was, I think, the first paragraph that just kind of jumped out. There's a few people commenting in this article. And Dr. Breland Noble, who I suppose was at the University of Wollongong School of Psychology, which is in Australia, looked into 114 people, how they were living during the pandemic, and found that overall higher levels of introversion were associated with more loneliness, depression, and anxiety. And introverts often turn inward when coping with stress and anxiety instead of reaching out to others for help, which I thought was really interesting. And the doctor says this, is, this may have caused introverts to fall prey to what she says is maladaptive alone time, which she describes as using quarantine as an excuse to not receive quality human interaction that we need. And this is the paragraph that hit me with. She says, I think everyone should have some balance between being fully engaged with people outside of themselves and also being fully aware and present for themselves. The past year has tilted the scales out of balance, though. We have much more time to focus primarily on our own thoughts and a serious lack of connection with others. And at the same time, our stress levels have never been higher. This is not a great combination for anyone, introverts or extroverts. I see this show up in my life, Whitney, in the sense that there are days and days and days that go by where I don't leave the house. I think I drive my car maybe twice a week. I go to my physical therapy. To I'm still in recovery from my motorcycle accident. Right? I go to physical therapy once a week, and I go to the farmer's market once a week. I leave the house twice a week. Other than that, I'm just here. And I think that I, I have adapted, in a sense, to such consistent aloneness that when you talk about events, right, and we talk about, I don't know whether it's going to be a gradual opening up or it's going to be like, you know, mashing the accelerator. I have a mixture of, how do I even describe this emotion? When I think about going to events or I think about going to concerts or trade shows, the things we're talking about, I feel a, an emotional cocktail of excitement and curiosity, but anxiety like a motherfucker. Like when I really think about you know, being at Expo East or being at the LA Auto Show or, you know, going to the Hollywood Bowl, whatever the case may be. And I think about being around tens of thousands of people. I get a really interesting feeling in my gut that's like, uh, I don't know. I don't even know how to describe this feeling. It's, it's anxiety. And I'm trying to think about why I feel anxious about that. 
But I think in the past, Whitney, I wouldn't have felt anxious about it. I think by virtue of being alone and on my own and at home 95% of the time on any given week, maybe it's just I'm so used to being alone that the thought of being around tens of thousands of people freaks me out. I don't know why it freaks me out, though, but I feel anxiety around it. It's an interesting question. I'm not fully sure of why. It's interesting to explore, you know. Some elements of introversion are associated with loneliness, depression, and anxiety because introverts are turning inward to cope. And that's kind of interesting. I wonder if that's what's coming up for you, Jason. I'm used to that. You know, I need to push myself to talk to other people about things. But I find that I do that in this podcast. I find that I do this sometimes on YouTube. I will get into in-depth conversations with friends sometimes. And then I'm like, okay, that's satisfying. I don't really feel the need to talk to people about things all the time. And I don't generally feel lonely. I don't usually feel depressed. I'm like, certainly go through lulls and intense emotions. I do identify with the anxiety though. And I think Anxiety is really interesting because I reflect on it so much and it's, that's an epidemic. I mean, that's, I'm curious if there are like correlations and how elements of the pandemic are increasing it. Certainly there's anxiety about health, right? Like this fear of getting sick, this fear of getting other people sick. This is something a lot of people have experienced, not everybody. Some people have very different viewpoints on covid right? And they seem pretty relaxed about it. They're not worried about it. But for me, it has been a concern. And I have a general underlying sense of anxiety because I'm somebody that tends to always want to prevent challenges. So it's like I'm constantly in this mode of making sure everything's safe. Like I have issues around trust and safety that are subtle, And I I didn't really even recognize that they were there until recently. And that's why it's been fascinating to observe how I felt during this pandemic, where I don't think it was socializing to blame for my anxiety. You know, like I think the anxiety was already there and maybe just gets a bit triggered through socializing. And there's so many factors, right? So my anxiety also comes out when I feel inadequate. So socializing sometimes is, oh, do I have to look a certain way in order to feel like I'm fitting in or feel like I'm presenting myself well? So that anxiety of like, how do I do my makeup and my hair and what clothes do I wear and how am I feeling in my body? Am I feeling confident about it? Am I feeling good in it? All of that causes me anxiety because it's a lot of work. It's exhausting for me. And then when I'm at the event, it's like I'm constantly reflecting on that and then As a people pleaser too, it gets really triggered where I'm constantly evaluating whether or not somebody seems happy with me. Are they enjoying talking to me? Am I saying things that interest them? Like, am I enjoying myself? Like all of these factors that come up. So that's part of how the anxiety plays out in those settings, Jason. But with with having very limited experiences of that over the past year, I don't know if I feel that much less anxious. (laughs) So it's like, wow, okay, so what else is going on? Or are those things still happening in my brain? You know, through text messages, for example, through emails, through phone calls, through just wondering 
Are my friends upset because I haven't texted them back? Are my friends upset with me because they haven't texted me back? Like all those little things that I tend to, tend to have anxiety about. Are people upset with me? This is a very common thing. It's, and actually something that a lot of millennials express is that constant fear that people are displeased with you, especially when it comes to your work environment. So this certainly shows up for me, especially since I'm an independent contractor and I have clients. So constantly wondering like, oh, are they okay with my performance? Am I doing enough for them? Am I, are they happy with the results that they're getting? Are they going to continue working with me? Are they going to let me go? Are they going to sign up? Are they going to ghost me? Like all of those things. And then we have financial anxiety, Jason, which I know you experience a lot of. And it's like, do I have enough money? Will I have enough money? Like, should I buy this or should I not? Should I invest in this? Like those constant thoughts, like those are draining and causing a lot of anxiety. So with all that said, Jason, what is ringing true or what is what else is coming up for you as, as I discuss my experience? I think you helped me get a little clearer on some of the seeds of the anxiety for myself. Not necessarily the anxiety of of what I've been experiencing over the last year plus of the pandemic, because I think you eloquently expressed a lot of the things that I feel, not just around stability, financial abundance, staying alive and keeping things afloat per se, but I also have experienced in working with, you know, the few projects that I've had over the last year of that thing of like, oh God, I better do the best job ever because I don't know when another product's going to come around. I really want this person to hire me again. And so everything you said, I resonate with. The thing that arose for me though, is that I think that there's a part of me that has really enjoyed the messiness and the rawness and the not give a fuck attitude that I've seen in myself and a lot of friends over the course of this pandemic. Allah, we're going to show up to the podcast however we look, you know, three-day-old shirt, a sty in my eye right now. I look like I got punched in the face by Mike Tyson. You know, I don't care. I really just don't give a shit. And I like that, Whitney. I, I like the authentic rawness. You know, my mom the other day, it is just cute because it's my mom. You know, she's like, I'm living in yoga pants. And my mom works from home. And, you know, my, my mom's like, I ordered these brand new yoga pants and I love them. I just wear them all day, every day. And I just thought that was adorable because it's like, you know, even my mom is stopping giving a fuck. Like, there's just so many people that are just like, I am what I am. I'm dressed how I'm dressed. I do not care. I think that's so refreshing because it flies in the face of, I think, you know, the professional standards and the beauty standards and always trying to impress people and look impressive and be impressive and the haircuts and the makeup and the new clothes. Like, I don't want any new clothes. I don't want any new shoes. I don't care about my haircut. Like, there's something really refreshing about letting go of that. And I think part of my anxiety, to your point, Whitney, is when we start going to trade shows, conferences, networking events, et cetera, et cetera, that those standards and that pressure and the expectations of people like, you know, we've been locked up for a year and here we are, like we're going to look sexy and fucking fierce and bleh, and post-pandemic fierceness, bitches, yeah. Like whatever that is, I don't care. I just, I don't want to get caught up in that. And I think that my anxiety is around everyone's going to come out with guns blazing out of the gates after the pandemic 
and be so, you know, dolled up and so professional and so sharp and like, we're back in the world. And I don't fucking care about these games anymore. It's not I'm like I'm going to show up, you know, disheveled and like, you know, with crumbs in my beard. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I just hope that there's a semblance of this rawness and authenticity and not give a fuck attitude that is going to translate with people when we are in a post-pandemic world. I really, and I personally want to live that way where I want to let go of caring what people think and just show up as I am. And people are either going to dig it or they're not. So I don't know if it's the anxiety is around the judgment of what other people think of me. It's not that so much as it is. I don't know. Just this idea that everyone's just going to go back to that superficial presenting way again. And I don't care for it, Whitney. I just don't care. And I just want to show up as I am. Again, if it's not like appropriate for the situation, whatever. I don't know. I want that rawness and that realness to translate is what I'm saying. And I'm not sure that it will. It's interesting that you bring this up because I was looking at a few other articles that dig into this because this idea within that Refinery29 article that introverts still feel socially burnt out, even though they've had, we've had a lot of time on our own. So I'm super curious about that. And one article that came up is on Shondaland.com. That's titled Secretly Dreading the End of Social Distancing, You're Not Alone. And it actually really speaks to what you're saying, Jason. So let me read some parts from it. The lockdown has been a welcome reprieve from incessantly being peer pressured to socialize above their preferred quota. We don't have to put on a facade anymore. We can be exactly who we are, quiet, honest, creative, solitary, and no one is around to judge us for it. For anyone whose pre-pandemic social life made them feel like they were caught in a current, that how they were spending their time didn't completely align with who they are or what they consider to be their ideal lifestyle. Now that we're beginning to socialize in ways that suit us instead of the obligatory status quo, a sense of dread is looming. And these are based on a number of different studies and experts on the subject matter And it's fascinating because I haven't completely finished reading the article, but I think it's showing us that we have, we can kind of live the way that we want our own terms, which is something that many of us have been yearning for. However, we're doing it under the conditions of the pandemic. So it's, it's like, I think part of the stress here is is the compromise. It's like, oh, we finally get to spend more time at home. Many of us have been yearning for that. Many of us didn't even realize how burnt out we actually were and how much energy we're expelling. It was like we were so used to it, so caught up in it that maybe we weren't fully aware. And I know I've talked about this, I believe on this show, that at the beginning of 2020, I was feeling burnt out and I was feeling just like stretched in way too many directions and stretched thin as a result. And when the pandemic hit, it was like, oh, great. But as I'm saying now, a year later, it almost didn't feel like enough time. But I think that's because it wasn't fully just like relaxing. I mean, remember in mid-March 2020 when this happened, it was like this weird sense of, hmm, I should relax, but I also need to keep myself financially stable. 
So unless you had a job that was fully covering and paying you, despite the fact that you were at home and the pandemic was going on, a lot of people like ourselves who work for ourselves and are independent contractors were kind of like, uh-oh, what do we do? I remember that scramble of like, oh shit, like is the economy going down? Is anyone going to want to hire me and pay me? And I didn't have any steady work at that time, actually. I didn't get my current clients until mid to late 2020. So I had no idea what I was going to do. And as nice as it was to lounge around because the whole world was lounging around in a way, well, not necessarily. I mean, certainly the the healthcare workers were in a very different position, but it felt like there was this permission and yet you couldn't fully relax if you were wondering about money. And how could you fully relax when like, it was a scary time, you know, like wondering is it okay to leave my house? Like, how do I get food? And then we had the toilet paper shortages and the grocery stores and like that was panic filled. So it was like a relief. And yet there were new anxieties coming up that we hadn't even considered. So we didn't necessarily get much of a break. So it didn't really solve that much aside from the fact that I don't have to socialize in person as much. But to the point of many of these articles, then everybody wanted to start socializing on the phone and on Zoom. And like, you know, early on in the pandemic, people wanted to have parties and like play games. And I remember doing some of those things, but also kind of being like, oh, like, I don't really want to do this, but I don't really want to let down my friends. And that has been another stress too. Like, the strain that the pandemic has had on all of our relationships, especially friends who you wonder like, wow, are we actually good friends? Do we have the same viewpoints? Who are we if we don't see each other regularly? You know, like a lot of my friendships shifted, changed, or some of them dissolved over the course of the pandemic. And that's stressful too. But the bigger stress, Jason, and this is something that I'm hearing a lot on, on on TikTok, people kind of laughing about this, is like that exact description that you had of like people going out into clubs and partying. It's like it kind of sounds cool in theory, but I know I would get there and like be drained within a couple minutes. I'm I was already like that. The one of the last public events I went to was in February 2020. And I distinctly remember it was a uh, actually a podcast of festival conference and there was a party and I went to it and literally within five minutes, I was like, I'm ready to go. But I went with friends and I had to wait around for them. And I think we ended up staying for a couple hours and I was like, oh my gosh, like I was good with that five minutes. That's all I needed. And so it's frustrating because it affects your socializing And then you add on the layer of getting ready for an event like that. And you're like, gosh, I spent all this time getting ready. I can't just stay for five minutes. (laughs) You know, and it's like the whole factoring in the amount of energy it takes just to prepare yourself mentally and physically to go to an event. Like all of that sounds exhausting versus now you can show up with literally half your body prepared if you'd like (laughs) or just not do anything at all. Zoom has has filters now. So you could, I mean, this is, I love doing Zooms because I I rarely do my makeup because of the Zoom filter. It's like, oh, 
I like the way I look when the zoom filters the touch up my appearance filters on. I'm like, great. Don't have to bother doing my makeup. <laughs> you know what I mean? So without that there, Jason, I, I totally understand what you're saying. And that extreme, the peer pressure, I think involved, like, come on, it's been a year since we were able to hang out, you know? And that's tough too. Like, I don't want to let my friends down, but what if I don't feel like socializing yet? What if I don't feel like doing those things? Like, do you ostracize yourself? Like, do you lose friendships over that? And is it really showing up as your authentic self? I think that's the other big question. If my authentic self is somebody who really enjoys staying at home, then why am I putting on this whole facade to try to pretend like I'm someone who enjoys going out? Do I want to have friends who don't seem to accept the version of me that wants to stay at home all the time? You know, like, I mean, actually, that's a question for you, Jason, because you go to the farmer's market regularly, for example. And I remember you asking me, like, why don't you go to the farmer's market anymore? It's like, I literally just don't feel like it. Like, (laughs) I just don't feel like going. But sometimes I feel bad because you go and you meet up with a couple people there. And those are people I know and like and like. I don't know. Do you guys all think that I'm weird because I don't go to the farmer's market with you? Like, do you think like, oh, come on, Whitney, like just come with us every once in a while. But what if I don't feel like it? I don't think it's weird. And I definitely don't judge you for it. Overall, I think that there are probably two things that I want to carry. Well, three things, because I already mentioned one. One is sort of the raw, authentic, come as you are attitude that I've seen born within me and other people I know during the course of the last year. The second thing is a deeper level of acceptance for wherever anyone is at. You know, so when I've invited you and you're like, yeah, I just don't feel like it. Last thing I want to do is push you or try and convince you or anyone for that matter. So that's another attitude and way of being I want to carry forward is if I extend an invite to someone to do something and they're like, yeah, you know, I'm just I'm not into it. I'm not going to press. I'm not going to ask them why. It's just like, okay, great. Thank you. You know, thanks for being honest about where you're at with it. And I think the third thing, and this is kind of related to the anxiety that I feel with, is I suppose this is an aspect of introversion. I've heard it phrased and kind of lumped in is, is the aversion to small talk. And you've brought this up. You and I have talked about this ad nauseum in terms of the public events and parties and gatherings we've been to. I think as a result of really having difficult, uncomfortable, painful, beautiful conversations with friends and family over this last year of like, no bullshit, let's talk about fear, let's talk about inadequacy, let's talk about trauma, let's talk about what this, I mean, the things that have been brought up in the people in my life, there's been some deep, wonderful, compelling, healing conversations. I don't really feel like I have small talk with anyone in my life right now. And part of the dread that I feel is, you know, I'm imagining it like, you know, the fall and, you know, people are vaccinated or not vaccinated. That's a whole nother thing I want to talk about in a second that's related. But, you know, we're at these events and, you know, people we haven't physically seen in, you know, a year or even more. In some cases, there are friends that we have on the East Coast or international friends that we, you know, sometimes it's a year or years we don't see them. And my hope is that I don't want this like, hi, how are you? Like, I'm in a very surreal reality where I don't even know what the fuck is happening. 
I'm here. I'm a little bit anxious and scared and also glad to see you. And so it's a weird state of being like, if I answer that honestly, which I endeavor to, and it freaks people out, I'm okay with that. But I have no desire for the old approach, Whitney, of like, hi, everything's amazing. Oh my God, we survived. Yay. Did you get a vaccine? I got two and I feel great. My mom, you know, I don't want those conversations. And so my point in all this is I want to do a really good job of trying to assess the quality of how I am spending my time with people in the sense that if I feel like I'm going to have a high quality, real interaction with a human being, I will probably say yes, unless I'm exhausted. I, I want to see that person. If I'm like, I think I'm going to have a really high quality, meaningful interaction with this person or persons. But if I get the sense that sort of like, we're just going to like try and act like, you know, the pandemic didn't happen and everyone's just like, everything's amazing. Yeah, great. And it's this kind of like vapid, hollow, unsubstantial interaction. I think I'm going to avoid those kind of, or, or if I'm in it, just leave. Because I don't think I have any tolerance for those kind of interactions anymore, truthfully. And that doesn't mean I'm going to be unkind to people or shut them down if I feel that they're trying to engage in small talk. But like, if someone says like, how are you? I'm just going to answer them honestly. I'm not going to be like, good, I'm great, I'm great, if I don't feel that way. I want to foster deep, meaningful, quality interactions. And if the person doesn't want to play, I'm probably going to remove myself from the situation. Because I just, I, I don't... I don't want those kind of interactions anymore. And this last year, I think Whitney has presented a lot of high quality, sometimes painful, sometimes uncomfortable, but very real interactions. And that's what I want in my life. So I think moving forward with whatever events we're going to do, I just want to show up real and meaningful and myself and people are going to do what they will with it. Absolutely. That Shonda Land article that I mentioned has some tips at the end of it about how to revamp your post-pandemic social life, which are pretty useful. I think they're they're nice to reflect on. And especially with what you just said, Jason, that certainly resonates with me too. And I think it's important to remember that just because society is attempting to normalize doesn't mean you have to go back to your pre-pandemic way of socializing, which is another point in here. Lockdown ending gives us a lot of options about how we want to live our lives from now on. So in a way, it's a gift, Jason, that you have this opportunity to reflect on what you want because it's like a refresh. The social anxiety that some of us face, which is often the fear of being judged or disliked, can feel like this pressure to perform in social situations, and then it can feel very tempting to avoid them entirely. So I think digging into that fear of being judged or disliked is really key too. It's like, okay, what if I truly can go to an event and just not care what people think of me? Or what if I can just acknowledge, like, I'm afraid of them judging or disliking me, and that's okay, you know? I think a lot of us have a negative self-image and something that's talked about in this article is it's building from not fitting the perceived status quo. And that can turn socializing into a major chore for us. It's like, oh, I don't fit in. And I feel that way a lot. I mean, that that even just the term status quo really resonates with me. You know, it's like, 
because I rarely feel like my true self fits that. For me, the status quo is somebody who is is a thin body type and who always has beautiful makeup on and beautiful hair and just looks like healthy, like and again, even that word just looks healthy is so messed up. It's like <laughs> the fact that those words just came out of my mouth are so crazy because like I have such a distorted viewpoint of what I'm I feel like I'm supposed to look like. So and by the way, like I don't think that that's an ideal at all, but I've carried that around meaning like I don't feel that way that other people have to look that way, Jason, but I feel internal pressure to look that way. So that's the big difference here. It's like how I perceive others. Like I don't care what somebody's body size is and whether they're wearing makeup and how their hair is and what clothes they're wearing, like whatever. But for me, I think that other people care that about me. So that's like where the anxiety comes in. It's like, oh, are people going to notice that I gained weight during the pandemic? You know, like, and that's something a lot of people are verbalizing. There's this term, God, just saying it makes my blood boil, but there's a term that goes around a lot on TikTok called hot girl summer. And it's like, I'm going to have a hot girl summer. Let me get, you know, it's like that idea of getting bikini ready. So let me uh, make sure that my body is slender and I've got my muscles are defined and I'm tan and, you know, like all of these things. It's like, so wait a second, (laughs) like you have a very narrow view of what it means to be hot. And also like this hot girl summer, it's like, Why? So are you showing up for yourself? Are you showing up for other women? Are you showing up to impress men? Like, you know, whoever you're, you're attracted to and interested in. And it's like this whole idea of that we've had for as my entire life, as long as I can remember, it's like, I got to get ready, summer ready, especially now where the vaccines are rolling out. And there's the idea that this summer, We'll be able to socialize again and kind of go back to some sort of normal state. Like, I better get ready for that so I can be a hot girl. And I can, you know, if I'm a single woman, then I can go find a sexual partner and whatever else. It's like this whole concept of prepping yourself for socializing, I think, is where the anxiety comes in and just really acknowledging how there's so much perceived pressure that really makes me uncomfortable because I don't feel like my body looks the way that the status quo of a hot girl is. So does that mean I'm not ready for summer? Does that mean that I'm not going to be desirable in those situations, whether it's romantic or friendship or business relations? And it's just, that's exhausting to me and really frustrating that people still feed into that mentality. I'd love to see that end. But that is basically how I define the status quo. All of that pressure to look a certain way for socializing. Conformity, I think, is dreadfully boring. I think that in a lot of ways as humans, we sacrifice our sense of self-worth and try to be things that we aren't to get validation get acknowledgement, and ultimately love. I mean, I think if we really dig down psychologically to the root of all this, why is anyone doing anything like this anyway? 
You know, if I achieve the status quo of what my physical appearance ought to be, the clothes that I'm wearing, the accoutrement, the car, the house, the partner, there are so many of these arbitrary externalized things that we are taught to acquire to validate our worth as human beings. And ultimately, why do we do it? We want to be loved, right? I mean, why else would a person put all of this pressure to have a certain body and, as you said, toned muscles and the right swimsuit and, you know, come out of the quarantine, you know, looking fierce, looking like a hot girl? Why? People want love. And I say that not to excuse the destruction that the pressure to conform can cause because I think it has massive impacts on people's mental health, this conformity. And you know, I've mentioned this sociological term, the tyranny of the majority. And it's like, if you don't fit in and you're not, you know, on these trends and you're not, you know, feeling the pressure to be a hot girl for the summer, something must be wrong with you. When genuinely not caring and genuinely removing your sense of self-worth from these arbitrary beauty standards and metrics of self-worth that society imposes on us, that's real freedom. And it's also hard as shit to do right? To unravel these pressures, to unravel the structures of conformity, telling us of what we ought to be, what we ought to look like. This is very hard work. But ultimately, I think if, if one's aim is to be free, we have to do this work. I don't use the word have to a lot. It's kind of almost like in the, in the category of should for me. But I think if we want to be free, Whitney, we do the hard work to identify, is this actually even what I want? Because a lot of times, these things that we think we want aren't actually what we want. They're just things that have been programmed and imposed on us for so many decades that we confuse it with what we think we actually want. But in a lot of cases, I find that if I really unravel it, it's just a cry for love. It's a cry for attention. It's a cry for acceptance. And I go, well, what if I didn't spend all of these years chasing this stuff or these things? And what if I do the hard work to accept myself and love myself as I am, which is very, very, very hard work. But ultimately, I think in doing so, we liberate ourselves from this conformity. We liberate ourselves from these arbitrary structures. And we say, I'm going to live my life the way I want to, even if it takes me years or decades to figure out what that is. Because I certainly don't. And look, it's not to say I don't go out, you know, we're all subject to this to one degree or another, right? Because, you know, living in a capitalist system, we buy cars, we buy shoes, we buy clothes, we do these things. But I think if we are clear about why we are doing the things we do, that's the important part. Because so much of it is unconscious. Like, how many of these girls posting on TikTok for Hot Girl Summer are aware that they may be doing this as a cry for attention, love, and acknowledgement? Like, I'm doing all this because I really want love. Like how many people have that level of self-awareness? Probably not many. And we're all unaware. I'm not saying I'm an avatar. I'm not saying you're an avatar. None of us are ascended masters. None of us are the Buddha or Jesus or Muhammad or whatever. You know, we're all struggling with something. And I guess my point, Whitney, is though that I would like to liberate myself more from these arbitrary standards. And I would like to support more people in liberating themselves from these standards because I think they're oppressive and I think ultimately they're unhealthy. I really do. And, you know, speaking of pressure, I, I mentioned this really briefly, but I've been getting some really interesting DMs from people on Instagram lately asking if I'm getting vaccinated. It's been a conversation that's come up on Instagram. It's been a conversation that's come up at my physical therapist's office. 
people making a lot of jokes about it on both sides. And someone DM'd me a couple days ago and they're like, yeah, I'm going, I'm going to get my vaccines this week and I can't wait to go all the vegan events and I can't wait for concerts and I can't blah, 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 blah. Are you getting vaccinated? Like, it'd be great to see you. And I'm like, at this moment, I'm not planning on it. You know, and then people's pushback on that of like, well, how how are you going to go to events and what are you going to do and how are you going to socialize? I'm like, don't know. But I'm starting to get pressure from both sides, Whitney, of on one side, people are like, well, why aren't you getting vaccinated? Or don't you want to do things again? And then other people who are anti-vax, which I'm not, I do not classify myself as an anti-vaxxer, okay? People on that side of being like, don't, you know, don't you dare get it. It's going to destroy your DNA. And it's just interesting as I observe myself in the middle of people that I know who are acquaintances, these are not close friends, telling me what I ought to do. And respectfully, I partially, you know, I know they're doing it out of some level of concern. So I, I stop myself from telling them to fuck off because I know they're not, they're not doing it with malice. But it's interesting just to see like so many things in our world this completely divisive binary system of you should do this and not do that. And here's why. And I'm going to try and convince you. And I'm somewhere in the middle, to be honest, like a lot of things at this point, I don't think I want to get the vaccine, but I reserve the right to change my mind like I can with every damn thing in my life. And if people don't like me changing my mind, they can bite one. You know what I mean? And people are like, well, you said you were going to do It's like, I am a human being who has the right to make a new decision with anything I want in my life. That is my freedom. That is my sovereignty. That is my choice. I'm not beholden to anyone. But it is interesting, Whitney, we're talking about beauty standards, socializing, but the vaccine pressure is getting like, I really want people to leave me alone about it and let me do what I want to do with my life, which ultimately I will. Are you getting any of this lately from people? Because it's kind of ramped up in the last few days for me. And I think it's just fascinating. It's certainly been coming up. I mean, it does come up very, very frequently. There's a lot of assumptions. And the assumptions bother me too. And it's interesting because I get triggered to <laughs> I even get irritated. I've had at least one friend send me a picture of getting the vaccine, like so excited and proud. And I remember thinking like, are you pressuring me to do it? Like, why are you sending me this? Like, I don't understand. I've had another friend who was pressuring me a lot. But like, I noticed with both of them, they were just really excited. They just really believe in it. Like, to them, it's such a positive, freeing thing. And then I wonder, like, oh my gosh, are all these people just getting the vaccine so that they can socialize? Like, it's like this almost desperation to socialize again. And I say desperation with not meaning to be judgmental, but truly like these people really want, want to socialize. I have another friend. I don't know where this friend stands on the vaccine, but this person like felt like they were losing their mind during COVID because they couldn't socialize. And I have compassion for that. Each of us have very different responses to this pandemic, introverted, extroverted, ambiverts, like all different types of people have different responses based on their circumstances. So I'm doing my best not to judge anybody whether they decide to get the vaccine or not. You know, uh, it's hard. Like, I feel more judgmental about whether people wear masks or not, but I'm also, like, not going to get into a fight with someone unless it's threatening my safety. The time I felt the most intense about it was when I was going to see my parents 
I just really wanted to protect them. So actually, it was a huge relief when they got the vaccine. And they were both so excited. They haven't had any side effects. Like they did. My dad seemed very informed. He's really good at research. And I was like, okay, like that just relief. I'd love to see my sister get the vaccine. She socializes a lot for her work and for fun. And it's like, I'd rather her get the vaccine and take less risks about spreading it or getting, you know, the symptoms herself. Like there's certain people. Great. If I would rather see you alive and thriving and COVID free. Whereas for me, Jason, I'm similar to you. Like the only time I really leave the house is to do basic errands and 90 something percent of those errands are groceries. Now, I could get COVID from grocery shopping. You know, I wear double masks now that I go grocery shopping. I have never washed or sanitized my hands as much in my life as I've done in the past year. Like, I'm so aware of what I touch. I'm so aware of who I'm around. Like, I feel like I've been not paranoid, just very aware. And my dad actually, he asked me, I think yesterday about the vaccine. And I said, you know, I'm just not in a rush to get it. I really want to observe it more. I want to have a choice if I can about which vaccine I get, first of all, because I'd like to research like what are the side effects of them and and how are animals involved? What's the ethical side of this? You know, what are they made from? I want to know more information. And right now, It would even be a stretch for me to get it, first of all, because it's not fully available to everybody. So I'm not going to go out of my way. It also seems like a waste of time. I don't need it. And I want to have more information. That's my perspective. And I'm really trying not to judge people for whether they get it or not. That's that's my perception. And my dad's question was like, hey, wouldn't you just like to know that you'll be like, I think it's more of a stress thing. And I bet you that's why my parents got it is they just don't want the stress of wondering if they're going to get COVID. You know what I'm saying? Like they actually, they're not from my perception socializing. They're going to the grocery store and working from home and barely exposed to anyone. But I'm sure for their age, it was very stressful. And it was stressful for me with their age, you know, like I was worried about my parents a lot. So if reducing that stress makes you feel better, great. But for me, I actually feel more stressed thinking about getting the vaccine than I do about not having it. So that's where my decision was, you know? And so when that, if, when, and if that changes, then I will get it. If getting the vaccine has more pros than cons, fine. One thing I want to bring up, Jason, a circle back to was when you were talking about validation and being liberated from arbitrary standards. It reminded me, I was actually on a podcast earlier today, and I think the episode will be out by the time this episode is out. It's on a show called Bleep Bulimia, and it's focused on midlife bulimia and people's experiences with that. You know, For those that don't know it, I, I had disordered eating and a form of bulimia. And I really wanted to go on the show, and it was a wonderful discussion. The, the host, Lori Ann, brought up something that really resonated with me, and just it gave me a warm, fuzzy feeling. And she was saying how she was talking about Jane Fonda, who I believe, but I'm not positive about, had bulimia. 
She is on a show called Grace and Frankie on Netflix that I've watched a few seasons of. And her co-star is Lily Tomlin. And Lorianne of the Bleep Bulimia podcast said that she, when she watched that show, was so much more interested in being a Lily Tomlin character than the Jane Fonda character. And for those that haven't watched the show, Jason, I imagine you haven't, Jane Fonda is playing this very elegant, put-together woman. And Lily Tomlin is her best friend, who is like a total classic hippie. Like, just your California hippie woman, however old they are. And they're the contrast between the two of them, right? And when Lorianne from the Bleep Bulimia podcast said, like, she'd rather be, be a Lily Tomlin type, I'm like, me too. And I never really thought about it. I actually like both characters. It wasn't like an either or thing for me. But Lily Tomlin represents like that freedom. I don't give a fuck character. She's artsy. She's not focused on her appearance. She's kind of kooky. And she just does. She just feels free to me. And I'm like, yeah, like, I love that. You know, I love those types of people. Like, I know a lot of those types of people, like, in our world of health and wellness, there's a lot of people like that. And growing up in a very liberal town in Massachusetts, like, we certainly had our fair share of hippie type people. And even family members of mine are like that. And I always associate that with freedom. And it's like, I loved that visual reminder of, just letting yourself be who you are without being uptight. Like the Jane Fonda character on the show, I think her, she's Grace and Lily Tomlin's Frankie, if I remember correctly. Jane Fonda's character is like uptight. She just like always ha- feels like she has to maintain the image. And that's energy is exhausting to me. Whereas Lily Tomlin is just free and relaxed. Now, she's not free of problems or challenges. Certainly, she has her struggles and she ends up in all sorts of funny scenarios and stuff. And it's like, it's not that one is better than the other. It's more of where the preference lies. And for me, I think that I have had this belief system of needing to be that uptight, put together woman in order to be loved, accepted, validated, get the things that I want in life. And I think a lot of women and men, this is not a gender issue, truly. I think most people, regardless of their gender, have those ideas in their head that they need to upkeep their appearance and they need to present themselves in a specific way, whatever that specific way is for them, in order to get what they want out of life. But the more I examine it, what I really want is freedom. So I would rather miss out on being perceived as hot. I would rather that somebody thinks that I'm sloppy, maybe kooky, maybe I don't fit in, maybe I'm not as attractive. You know, that's the other thing too, Jason, like this idea of hot girl summer. I feel like a lot of that's driven by impressing other people, whether that's you know, a friend or a romantic partner. But (laughs) it's so silly at the end of the day because what does that really gain you? A temporary satisfaction of pleasing someone, maybe a sexual encounter, maybe a relationship. But if your whole dynamic is based on impressing somebody and that's not truly who you are, then it's 
short-lived unless you're willing to spend your entire life like like a Jane Fonda character who's just dedicated to the upkeep. It also reminds me of a scene in the very, it might even be the first scene of the show of Mrs. Maisel. I forget the whole name, Marvelous something of Mrs. Maisel. Maybe it's called The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel on, on Amazon Prime. Have you seen that, Jason? I know I watch a lot more TV than you. No. Nope. You haven't seen it. Okay. I think it's the first scene or the the first like few minutes of the show of the very first episode. You see her with her husband and she's like in her 20s, I think. Very young in the in, in the 50s around that time era. She got up before he woke up and I think she went to bed after he went to sleep just so she could put on makeup and take off makeup without him knowing. So that when he woke up, he saw her completely made up with the perfect hair and the beautiful face and probably no morning breath. And then she would go and take off the makeup after he went to sleep. So he didn't even see her before and after. And it's like, that's okay if you want to live that way. But I don't. I'm the Lily Tomlin or the Frankie character who just doesn't want to go through that rigmarole. And Hot Girl Summer sounds like a lot of rigmarole to me. So no thanks. One person's hot girl summer is another's hot girl hell, I think is the moral of this. And for some reason, Whitney, I've never quoted a Bible verse in all the 211 episodes of This Might Get Uncomfortable. Never quoted a Bible verse. I don't in, know about that. College, I feel like you said this once before. I, I feel like you did, but... Did I quote the Bible, really? If you want to go to, through the archives of every show, Jason, have at it. Maybe one of our listeners will do it for you. Okay. If you, one of our longtime listeners, remembers me quoting a Bible verse, send us an email or a DM. But I, for some reason, this this quote came to my mind. And, and there's different translations, but essentially it is, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? And I think that this came to my mind, Whitney, because there's a lot of people sacrificing a lot to gain money, acceptance, fame, recognition, attention. But there's a price that we pay for that. There really is. There, if we go against who we are, or we haven't even really discovered who we are, there's a lot of layers to our id, to our persona, to our psyche. But I think that there's, there's an energetic and there's a spiritual price to be paid when we go against our values, our sense of who we are, to gain these externalized material things in the world. And some people, they might not even be aware. I mean, there, there's there, shit, there's a lot of things I used to do in my teens and 20s and 30s that I look back on and I'm like, wow, you were really ignorant. You were. I have so much compassion for myself in that regard of looking back at choices I've made and went, you were doing the best. And this is how I want to leave it, actually. As angry and frustrated as I get with other people, if I really sink into my heart, I do believe that people are doing the best that they can do with the level of awareness they've cultivated in that moment. I really do. And that's hard because some people are like, well, what about killing and what about murder? And what? Nonetheless, I, in my heart, I believe that people are doing the best that they can with the level of awareness and love and consciousness they've cultivated. I do. And so for, you know, the ladies and guys going for, you know, hot girl summer, hot guy summer, that's the level of consciousness they're at. 
we're at our level. Other people are at their level. It's not right or wrong, good or bad. It's just, I really do, Whitney, and this has been a huge part of my healing around forgiving other people and forgiving myself is like, you did the best you could with where you were at. And I do believe that in my heart. So with that, dear listener or dear reader or dear watcher, wherever you're consuming this podcast, thanks for digging into this diverse and myriad episode about introversion and standards and pressure and socializing and so many different topics we covered. If you want to dig into any of the books, the articles that we mentioned, you can go to our website, which again is wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. Click on the podcast section. It will take you to the transcript and the show notes for this episode and all of our 200 plus episodes of This Might Get Uncomfortable. And if you have thoughts on this, if you're feeling anxiety, if you're feeling excitement about a post-pandemic world, if you're freaked out, if you have dreams about it, we'd love to hear from you. You can shoot us a direct email. It's hello at wellevator.com. That comes to Whitney and myself. We respond to all of our personal emails. And we always love hearing your perspective of what you're going through and what you're experiencing. So never hesitate to reach out and let us know what is shaking in your world. We're on all of the social media handles, including our YouTube channel, which we're posting to every single week. We have video versions of this podcast. So if you're listening and want to see my facial expressions, Whitney's amazing headphones, my dirty t-shirt, the cats in the background, whatever you want, tune into our YouTube channel. We'll link to that in the show notes as well. And with that, we thank you as always for your support, your love, your listenership here on This Might Get Uncomfortable. And we're going to be back with another episode of the podcast soon. So stay tuned. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.